Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's work. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. How's everybody doing today? We doing good? Hey, what an exciting time to be a part of Canton Church. If, if you've been here for like years and years, uh, you feel it, you recognize it, but maybe you haven't been attending very long. But man, it's such an exciting time to be a part of this church. Uh, there's a lot of really cool things happening. I was looking at some numbers this week and saw where we have baptized 34 people this year in water to say that they are going public with their recent decision uh, to follow Jesus Christ, which is incredible, like so exciting to see these people do that. I saw Pastor Matt Popham, who oversees our life group ministry. We were looking at some numbers this week. We have over 170 people in life groups. That's incredible. Like if you're not in a life group, those are seven people that are in life groups that are excited about that. Um, If you're not in a life group, you need to jump into a group. We've got all kinds of groups, groups that you would love, groups that probably would love you. But if not, you can just drop out of that group and jump into another group and just tell them the night didn't work for you. You don't have to tell them you didn't like them. But uh, yeah, we'd love to see you. Love to see you jump into a group. And then I sent this out in an email this past week, and I, I posted some stuff on my social media pages. But, but Wednesday night here at Canton Church was awesome. Uh, this past Wednesday night, we had over 100 people in the building. We had a student ministry night of worship We had our Kids Life Expedition, which is kind of our 10-week fall Wednesday night program for children. They were meeting. We had a women's Bible study. We had a life group meeting. Like, there was just tons of people that were here. We had people that were working out that just kind of came in the building to see what was happening, which is awesome. But, man, it was so, so cool. And then you heard about At The Movies, and on your way out today, we've got these invite cards that we would love for you to pick up and just take them and give them to friends or family members so that you can invite them to be with us for At The Movies. But it's a really, really exciting time here at Canton Church. And so what we thought we would do here in the month of September for a couple weeks is we would just talk a little bit about what we do and why we do it and just talk about the essentials. I don't know if you've ever like thought about when you're going on a trip and how you pack your bag. Corey and I went on a trip a couple weeks ago and you know I got all my stuff together and she got all her stuff together and we packed our bags kind of separately. And I've known Corey since she was 13 years old and I have never actually seen her pack for a trip where at the end of it she could get her bag zipped. So if we're driving, she just leaves it unzipped. But if we're flying, she's got to like sit on it and zip it, or I've got to sit on it and zip it, or we've got to, I don't know, cut part of the things out of the bag, you know. But no, when you're packing, you're thinking about what do I absolutely have to have for this trip? And so for us, as we're taking this journey together as Canton Church, we thought about what are these essential things? What are the things that we need to kind of bring along the way with us? And so over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at this idea of the essentials, the things that we have to have with us. And so today I thought it would be a great place to start to talk about preaching And you think, wait a minute, wait a minute, is he going to preach about preaching? Yes, welcome to the Twilight Zone. Um, Now, we're not going to spend a ton of time there, but we're going to talk about God's Word. We're going to talk about the Bible a little bit. And, you know, preaching for me is one aspect of what I get to do on a weekly basis. It's just one small part. But I found this picture this week, which I thought was so interesting. We have that picture. The sermon is up there, and then the preparation is all like underneath the water. But what you see is you see kind of the sermon at the end of the week or at the beginning of the week, depending on where your calendar resets and your, your Apple calendar. But you, you kind of get where we start the week or where we finish the week. There's a sermon. 
But everything else that happens to kind of lead up to that moment, you don't get to see. But because it's so public and because it's the most visible and usually the first introduction to new people, I have probably been introduced maybe a hundred times or more as, hey, this is Jeremy. He's the preacher at my church. Um, I am the preacher at the church, but I'm also the pastor of the church. And so I, I counsel people and meet with people and lead the staff and lead volunteers. But preaching is one aspect of what we do when we gather together, that corporate experience that we have been taking part in this morning. We open God's word. We go to God's word to understand what it is that God may be saying to us together collectively. I remember when I was in high school, I heard this guy that was preaching and he said, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't really think I'm a preacher. He was like, but I, I don't really think I'm much of a teacher. I'm kind of a, a speaker. So he said, just refer to me as a spreacher. And I kind of think that's what I am. I'm a spreacher, maybe. I remember when we were meeting in the high school. We met in the high school for 209 Sundays before we moved into this facility. And one of the high school students that came to a service there at Sequoia High School, after a Sunday was over and I'd gotten done with, this, with the message that day, he walked up. He was like, hey, preacher. That was a good speech you gave. You know, and I thought, well, I don't really consider it to be a speech, but I mean, you know, I wanted to be, you know, a, a politician when I was little. Maybe, you know, it's kind of like a speech, I guess, but whatever you call it, whatever it is that you look, you, you think it looks like, whatever it is that you think that you've experienced, maybe you're like me, maybe you've been in church long enough to recognize that there's a lot of different styles of preaching and teaching. You know, I, I remember growing up, I was a part of some churches where the, the pastor, the preacher would get very animated. Sometimes he would take his Bible and he'd get to the edge of the stage and he would be going to town, like almost screaming at you. Like if there was no audio on the video recording, you would watch that and think, man, this guy is angry about something. Um, and I, I've also seen preachers and teachers who would stand behind some type of podium or lectern and they would stand there and their voice would never get above this level here, and they would talk to you, but it was so profound and so life-changing, but that was their style. That's what they, how they presented God's Word. And then there's all kinds of things in between. Maybe if you've watched television and you've seen preachers on TV, or maybe if you listen to podcasts throughout the week, sometimes you've heard different styles, you've heard all the different ways that people try to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I do think that that's the important part about preaching is that no matter what the style is, no matter what it looks like, no matter how it comes across, there is a central idea that combines all preaching and teaching, at least there should be, and that is the Word of God. I think outside of us centering everything that we do around the Word of God, then we're just giving speeches. Then we're just talking about some good ideas. But I think that if we take everything and center it around the Word of God, what we will find is that the Word of God can do more in a moment than any of us could do in an hour, or really in a lifetime. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says this, All Scripture, the Bible, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When we come together, when we gather together to talk about preaching God's word, we're looking at the Bible together in a corporate setting. We, we have to make sure that we're looking at God's word and not just looking at the next good idea or the next good thing or the next wave of ideas that may come to us. It's got to be God's word because that is what equips us to do the good works that God is calling us to do. You know, Billy Graham one of the most famous, maybe the most famous preacher in American history. 
He counseled presidents. He, he's seen maybe millions of people come to find life in Christ at this point. This is what he said one time about preaching. He said, thousands of pastors, Sunday school teachers, and Christian workers are powerless because they do not make the word the source of their preaching or teaching. I would never want to come to you on a Sunday and find myself powerless because the source, because the central thing involved in what we're doing isn't the word of God. And so I would never want to come where it's powerless. I have a friend who's a pastor up in kind of the northeastern part of the United States, and he says that preaching without prayer or without the word of God is just performance. And so what we have to make sure anytime we're talking about what we do in this service, I, I promise you, most of the time it's me on this stage. There are other times where maybe Pastor Trevor or a guest speaker, Pastor Matt, somebody on our staff, somebody that we've invited to come in. I promise you that every single time our intent, our motives is to make the central message of what's being presented, the word of God. And then we build around that. The Apostle Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 4 through 7, when he says this, he said, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of the, this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Here's what I know, according to what the Apostle Paul was writing there to the church in the city of Corinth. If I try to persuade you, if I try to convince you, if I come with my best memorized speech and I try to persuade you about something, there will come a day when someone more persuasive than me can unconvince you of something. So it's not my job to come and convince you of something, to persuade you of something, because I recognize that someone else would come along then and unconvince you of what I've tried to convince you of. That's never my intent. My intent is to study God's word, bring to you the word of God that I believe he's speaking to me and he wants to speak through me to us as a body here at Canton Church, and then allow the Holy Spirit that, that part of God and the Godhead that sometimes we talk about and sometimes we don't, and often we think it's just about like the things that the Holy Spirit does or the things that the Holy Spirit makes us feel. But what the Bible talks about is that the Holy Spirit, then he takes those things that are being said, he takes those gifts and all the things that are happening in our corporate gatherings and he works them in together. And so I trust and believe just like it's happened to me when I've been in a chair like you're sitting in right now and someone else has been preaching that whatever is being said, that the Holy Spirit would take that and filter that into my heart and into my life so that I get and receive exactly what God would have me to receive in that moment. You know, there's a, a famous theologian. His name is Soren Kierkegaard. I had to read a lot of Soren Kierkegaard when I was doing my master's in theology. And he, he's a pretty good writer. He was a pretty good theologian. Uh, there were some things that he said that I didn't really uh, uh, believe or agree with 100%, but I do believe in what he's describing here as he talks a little bit about preachers. He says, people have an idea that the preacher is an actor on a stage and they are the critics, blaming or praising him. But they don't know that they are the actors on the stage. He, the preacher, is merely the prompter standing at the wings, reminding them of their lost lines. And I think if you and I come to these moments in our gatherings, 
if, if we understand that all of us, in our own lives, we are the characters that God has written into his eternal story for this moment in time. And that God desires to do something in your life and through your life that's bigger than what you could produce on your own. And in these moments, all my job is is to illuminate the truths of God's word to us in corporate ways so that you can be reminded of perhaps what you have forgotten about what God may be wanting to do in and through you. That's really the important thing that I'm just called to come and to remind you of what God is wanting to do in you and what God is wanting to do through you and what God may have been trying to speak to you all week long. And so then the question becomes not about the preaching and teaching on a Sunday morning. The question becomes, what's happening Monday through Saturday? Because unless you're listening to our podcast, I'm not really in your ears Monday through Saturday. And so who's in your ears Monday through Saturday? Who's in your heart Monday through Saturday, perhaps before you arrive to this place on a Sunday, who are the voices that are calling you to remember your lost lines, to remember the truths of God that maybe you have forgotten? Because if the only time the Bible is speaking to you is when I'm speaking to you, you've gone back in time. There was a time in history that the people of God could not get to the truths of God unless someone else told them. There was a time in the history of the children of Israel when God would speak through his chosen servant. At various times in the Old Testament stories, you're familiar with some of these names. It was guys like Moses or maybe even Joshua. And God would speak to Moses, and Moses would come and speak to the people and say, this is what God is saying to us as his chosen people. This is what God wants you to do. Here's how you can be faithful. Here's how you can be obedient And then later in the Old Testament, we come into the season of prophets. And we can read about Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel. We can read about Elijah and Elisha, who God would speak to so that they could speak to the people of God, so that they would know what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And so that's how the people of God received the words of God, the instructions of God. And then Jesus shows up. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, we see that he's born in a manger. He's born and he walks around eventually by the time he's 30 years old and begins doing public ministry. And he pulls these 12 guys together, this ragtag bunch of disciples. And they walk around and Jesus does miracles and he teaches these incredible truths that were so countercultural at the time. And then Jesus is eventually arrested. He's accused of things that he was not guilty of. And he eventually goes to a cross and he hangs on a cross. And there was a moment in history, there was a moment in time as Jesus is being put to death on the cross, that as he's breathing his last, and he dies a human death, that in the temple, the place of worship, the place of God's presence, that something spiritual, something supernatural, and something on the physical level happened there was a curtain, there was a veil that had separated the outer courts of the temple, the places that common folks like me and you, we could come in and we could sing and we could talk and we could worship and we could offer sacrifice, but there was a separate place that the chosen priests of God, those who were anointed to go and make sacrifice on behalf of the whole assembly, they could go. It was that innermost place of worship, the holy 
of holies. There was a moment when Jesus was crucified on the cross that as he died, as he breathed his last breath, that the curtain, the veil was torn. It was ripped in two. And the most holy place where the presence of God dwelled was now open and available to all of those who had access even to the outer courts. And so what it shows to us is that then the gospel, the presence of God, the words of God, the instructions of God became available to all of us on a personal level. Through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, you and I have access to God. Well, then throughout history, as you move away from Jesus, there were still people who were saying, if you want to hear the words of God, you have to hear it through me. They tried to retain their privileged place as the only people who could hear from God and disseminate the truths of God. Well, then this guy named Gutenberg, he came along and he printed the scriptures into printed form. And now there was access to the words of God, except that not too many people knew how to read. And so they would take those written words and the select few who knew how to read, those priests and those chosen ones who knew how to take what had been written down and give that to the people, they would begin to disseminate the truths of God and they would read and they would tell the people. And the whole assembly would come together and they would gather together as the only way that they could hear what God was saying to them. And as people became educated, as people began to learn how to read and to write they could take for themselves the written words of God and they could experience his truth. Now, the Bible tells us that even in the midst of a time like that, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but the assembling of ourselves together was never meant to be a replacement for your personal time with God. Again, because if the only time you ever hear from the words of God is when I'm speaking to you, then you're missing out on an incredible opportunity to have a personal relationship with the person that is God and the words of God that he gives to all of us as this incredible gift. And so what we do is we understand that we don't want to go back in time, so we don't want to be the, the only time that God is speaking to us when I'm speaking to you. We want to take advantage of the opportunity for us to read God's word personally. We want to read God's word very specifically, the words that are written. And we have the printed versions. We have digital versions. If you have a phone in your pocket, you probably have access to the Bible. I don't want to say for sure because I've got a friend that still has a flip phone. It only has three lines on it. And they're all gray bars. He can play the game Snake, but that's the only game he can play on his phone. I don't think his phone has access to the Bible, but maybe it does. I don't know. But if you have a phone in your pocket, you have a device of any kind, you have access to the Bible. And guess what? And I, I may ruffle some feathers here. I've got some, some people in my life that feel this way. The Bible that I read on here is no worse than the Bible I can hold in my printed hand. It's the same. It's the truth. It's, it, it's not some manipulated thing. It may be different than what you're comfortable with. And I love to read. If you take this Bible that I, was, I, I received this summer as a gift, I've got underlined words and underlined scriptures. I love sometimes to have the printed, written version of the Bible. There's other times that I love while I'm sitting at a red light or I'm waiting on my family to go into a store or come back out of a store and I'll open up my phone or an iPad that I've got and I read God's Word and I'll highlight it and I'll email it to myself or text it to somebody that I think it would encourage them. And so I love any version of the Bible that I have access to, but the question remains, how often are you and I taking advantage of the availability of the words of God in our lives. Unfortunately, as a part of my job, I do meet with people who are in times of crisis. 
They're in moments in their lives when they're trying to figure out what it is that they need to be doing and how they should live and how they should correct maybe some things that aren't happening the way that they want it to happen. And then when I start talking to them about the things that the Bible says, you would think I'm talking a foreign language. Pastor Andy Stanley said this recently in a book that he wrote. He said, I've talked to many individuals who want to discuss their problems, but they don't really have problems. They have chosen to live in the wrong direction. They don't need a solution. They need a new direction. And unfortunately, I think for some of us, that new direction, the new knowledge that we seek, the wisdom that we seek, the advice that we seek, perhaps is provided for us in the Word of God, and yet we've chosen to ignore the access we have to the wisdom and the knowledge of the one who is writing our story. Psalm 119 is a, a large chunk of text. If you go to Psalm 119, you just, just hang in there for a little while. You're going to be there for a while. But right in the early stages of Psalm 119, we find this incredible truth. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all of my heart, do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I think if you played that out working backwards and in your life or in my life, we say, well, man, how do I, how do I figure out how to live how do I figure out how to make decisions? How do I figure out what I'm supposed to do? How do I figure out direction? How do I get the right advice? How do I get the right wisdom? If you work backwards from a result of Psalm 119, we're called to hide God's word in our heart. We're called to study God's word. How does a young person or an old person or a young man or an old man or a young woman or a woman with experience, I don't know, I'm not going to say an old woman, how do they stay in the path of purity? My mama taught me better than that. Come on. How do they stay in the path of purity? Right? By hiding God's word in our heart. If the only time that God's word is speaking to you is when I'm speaking to you, I'm afraid we've missed it. And so the, the, the trouble becomes, the trouble becomes as we look at God's word and we're trying to attempt to figure out what God's word is saying to us and we're trying to figure out how do we do this? What do we do? What do we read? What? I know sometimes when you open the Bible, it can be confusing. Anybody? Anybody ever read the Bible and were confused? Seven people. Awesome. Probably the same seven people that are excited about life groups. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Well, let me just be honest with you. Sometimes when I open the Bible, it's confusing. You open the Bible and you're trying to read through God's word. And man, when you start reading through it, you're like, what in the world are they talking about? Is it a grain offering? I don't know, grain. I don't, even, I don't even eat grain. I'm gluten free now. Like, I don't know how to, I don't even know how to make that work in my life. And so you're trying to figure out like, what does it mean? But let me just give you some encouragement today. Don't let what's confusing in the Bible cause you to miss what's obvious in the Bible. Here's what I tell my kids as they're learning how to read God's word. If you get stuck, just move on. It doesn't mean that we're going to put our head in the sand and we're going to ignore the Bible. We're going to ignore parts of the Bible we don't like. That's not what we're going to do. But we're going to come back to it later when we have a greater understanding of the nature and character of God. Don't let what's confusing in the Bible cause you to miss what's obvious in the Bible. Because there is some stuff in the Bible, it's easy to understand. There are some things that aren't that confusing. And so often what we do is we open the Bible and we start worrying about all the gray areas. 
Just put the gray areas aside for a little while and just focus on the black and white areas. There's a lot of them. There's, and I'm not talking about right and wrong do's and don'ts. I'm talking about like, what is it that God says about how he feels about you? That's obvious. You don't have to go hunting very far to find that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If you walk out today and you don't hear anything else that I say, just know that God loved you so much he gave his most prized possession for you. That's how he feels about you. That his love for you cost him the thing that he loved the most, Jesus. You start looking at the plans or the purposes that God may have for your life, and you're trying to figure out which direction and where to go, and we find in Jeremiah 29 in the bigger context about the plans of God for his chosen people that he has plans for you, a hope and a future, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. It's in there. You don't have to worry about all the confusing stuff for a moment. Just put that aside for a little bit until you get the things nailed down that you know are obvious in the Bible. And so we want to help you. We want to do our very best to help you. And I know only seven people are going to listen to the next 10 seconds, but we offer these life groups. And some of those life groups are Bible study groups. Some of them are activity groups. Some of them are about, you know, getting together and doing an activity that we all share together and then having prayer and relationship and community and growing together. But some of them are study groups where we're looking at a topic, we're looking at marriage, or we're looking at parenting, or we're looking at something else that would be happening in your life. We look at finances, and we go to God's Word to figure out what does God's Word say to us about how to be a better parent, or a better spouse, or a better child, or manage my money God's way. Some of them are just specific Bible studies. They're looking at the book of John this semester, or they're looking at a specific book in the Bible, and they're going through God's Word. And what they're doing is they're learning together what God's Word is saying in a book, in a passage. And so you could read and then come back together on that Wednesday or Thursday or Saturday and you open up God's word and you go, hey, what I was reading this week by myself that I didn't understand was this verse. What do you guys think that it means? And in community, in relationship with one another, you can grow in understanding. We also, we've done this throughout our time in the last five and a half years or so. We also have what we call the soap guide. And we're not talking about like taking a bath here. But the soap guide is a, a way that you can read God's word. It, it's a way that I, I use often to study God's word. And, and soap just stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And so what you might do is you might open up, we've got these guides and it gives you one chapter per day. And you can pick these up at the information center today and you just kind of stick it in the front of your Bible or maybe you stick it in a place that you would, you know, be reading the Bible. So, you know, you got the little chair in the corner of your room, you put it over there by that chair or whatever and you would just open up on that day. So today is Acts chapter 18 and you would just open up Acts chapter 18 and you would just read that chapter. That's the scripture, you just read it. And then what you do is you take maybe one verse out of Acts chapter 18, just one verse that kind of stood out to you Something that was interesting or something that really spoke to you or something that was confusing. And maybe you write that down or maybe I've even started doing this digitally. I, I, you know, maybe if you're a journaler, you would write this out. I, I've started kind of texting this or putting it in my notes section on my phone. And so you would write that scripture out and then you would just make an observation about it. You know, when I read this, it makes me think this. When I read this, I'm uncertain what it means because. And then you just kind of dwell on that for a minute or two. And then the application is, how does this apply to my life? 
As I read this, I realize I need to get better in this area. As I read this, I know that I've got to do this. I need to call so-and-so. I need to send a letter to so-and-so. I need to write the email, whatever it is. It doesn't even have to be super spiritual. There's just an application as you read it that drops into your mind the wisdom of God that's applying now to where you're at. And then prayer. You just write out a short prayer, maybe one sentence, maybe two sentences. God, help me today to live out what I just read. If, if maybe nothing really specific jumped out of you, nothing really like, oh man, there was nothing life transforming that I read there in Acts chapter 18, which there will be in Acts chapter 18. That's a good chapter. But if you're just reading it and you go, I don't really know, just say, God, help me to know you better today. God, help me today just to, to exemplify you as I walk around doing life. Let somebody on my job, somebody in my school, somebody in my home see that there's something different going on in my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just type it out. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. There's a, a guide there. There's a chapter for every single day of the month. We've got these now for the next 30 days or so, and then we'll update them. But you can pick those up at the information center. We just want to help you because we want you to take advantage of the Word of God that you have access to. You know, I've shared a number of times over the last six years or so about my mom passing away. My mom got sick and she battled cancer for two years and then she passed away in 2011. If I told you that just before her passing, she had taken the time to write me a letter. She had written some things to me about how she felt, how much she loved me, how proud she was of me, the things that she desired for my life the things that she hoped to be accomplished in the way that I lived, in the way that I loved Corey and these grandkids of hers. If she talked about the things that she had done in her life and the experiences that she had had in the history of her family and people maybe that I had never met, do you think I would take the time to read that letter? Yeah, I would. I'd probably read it a lot because I don't have a letter like that. I did as I was switching email accounts at the end of this summer as we were transitioning from Mount Perrin North to Canton Church. I did have to go back through all of my emails and make sure I didn't leave anything behind in an old email address and an old server at Mount Perrin. And I found the very last email that my mom ever wrote me. Not too long before she passed away, she wrote me an email. It was really short, but she had listened to a sermon that I had preached online. She was telling me how proud she was of me. And I read that email and I called Corey. I was like, you're never going to believe what I found. I've read that email three times in the last two weeks. Because it's words that come from her heart to me. What if you viewed God's word that way? What if instead of looking at it and going, man, I don't understand. Hosea, I don't even know where Hosea is at in the Bible. You just flip to it. I don't even... What if you looked at it instead and said, this is a letter that God has written to me. In this letter, he talks about how much he loves me. In this letter, he talks about the plans that he has for me. In this letter, he talks about the history of people that came before me that I never had the chance to meet. In this letter, he talks about what the future may look like. So I wanna make sure that I take the time to open this letter read it and see if there might not be something in here I need to know. Because if the only time that the word of God is speaking to you is when I'm speaking to you, you're missing 
an incredible opportunity to hear straight from the Father. When we come together and we gather together, man, we, we believe in the preaching of God's word. I take it very seriously. It's where I spend a bulk of my time most weeks in preparation of these moments that we have together. And yet I recognize that the preaching of God's word in moments like this is most beneficial when the people of God all week long have been spending time in God's word personally so that we can come together corporately and encourage one another. I want to pray for you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment? God, we thank you that you've given us your word. We thank you today, God, that you have instructed us in the ways that we should live. You have given us the ways that honor you. God, you've talked to us in the Bible about the way that you feel about us. And so, God, today we thank you for that. I thank you for the honor to stand on this stage every single chance that I get to declare your love for these people and the truths that you have for these people and the plans and purposes that you have for these people. But God, I pray that it is never reality that the only time God's word is speaking to them is when I'm speaking to them. Because I pray that every single one of them would take advantage of the letter that you've written to them. That whether it be a printed edition or a digital version, whether it be on their phone or on their computer or on their grandmother's old thick Bible that sits on their coffee table, that they would open it up and begin to read the words that you have declared to them. God, it's essential. It's essential. If we're packing a bag to take this journey as Canton Church, we can't leave the Bible out. We can't leave the Bible behind. It is essential to who we are and to who we are becoming. And so God, I pray for a hunger and a thirst to read your word. God, I pray that we wouldn't get bogged down on the things that would confuse us and in doing so miss the things that are obvious. God, let us keep reading. Let us stay involved. Let us find the stories that capture our heart and capture our attention. And God, speak the truths to us that you desire for us to know. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.com.